Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> hey, Streaming Wasteland, it's your Uncle Ringo, and I'm here to go ahead and promote something that's near and dear to my heart. My wife went ahead and produced a book. You can go find it over on Goodreads and Amazon. It's under the title Soul of Fractured Fate by Jay Grenz. J-G-R-E-N-Z. Two people are kidnapped by the Fae and dropped into a realm where they have to navigate court systems and a dating game. See if they go ahead and find love. Go pick it up wherever you can find it. Like I said, Goodreads and Amazon. Go get it. It's fucking good. Good morning, Streaming Wasteland. As always, you've got Ringo here and with me, Greg. Say hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. This week, we went ahead and took on 2022's Persuasion over on Netflix. Before before we get into that, Greg, what have you been up to, man? Oh, perchance, Sir Ringo, I was about my estate making do with the domestic disturbances of my home. Have you not seen this movie? Doth you not want to talk like a British person? I wish I could, but I, my brain doesn't function like that. The old brain. ha ha ha. My doctor gave me medication for this, so I don't have that problem. No, let's see. I spent some time this week uh, burning through the book for this, uh, and then I have been reading other books. I put out a couple YouTube videos. I'm working on our next James Bond video. Uh, I should have been done with that already, but I'm just not. And, yeah, I've been watching Lost. Uh, been watching a lot of, like, literature-related YouTube videos. Uh, been <laughs> I watched somebody tier-rank all the classics, and apparently when he put Lord of the Rings and Dune in the low tier, the, he got bombarded with comments. <laughs> and so, <laughs> not surprisingly. But, yeah, he in his second video, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yesterday I watched, like, an hour-long video. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was about the 2010 teen dystopia trilogies slash quadrilogy for the hugger games and uh, yeah it's pretty good it's pretty interesting (laughs) it it reminded me that divergent was garbage i never actually watched the movie but i saw the trailers and i was like this looks fucking stupid and then hearing so many people over the years be like yeah that movie fucking sucked the whole series was dumb and then the him talking about the Hunger Games being divided into two parts, like Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. He's like, there was no need for this to be two movies. And I was like, yeah, you can blame Peter Jackson for that shit. <laughs> because The Hobbit should have never been three books, or three movies. And for him to chop it up into three, mm-mm. sorry, Pete. That was a bad move. Was it Peter Jackson? I, I don't I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Hobbit. it was him. Okay. Like I, I don't uh, know if he was attached to the whole project, but I think he was the executive producer. Got it. I, I don't remember. That's, I actually only watched like the first one whenever they, they meet Smog, and then I That was the second one, actually. The was, Desolation oh. of Smog. Okay, so then I watched two of them. I didn't watch yeah. the last one. But yeah, uh, that's what I've been up to this week. What about yeah. you? I just remembered I turned on Lawman Bass. I've, I haven't finished it. I don't know. Watching stuff other than for our podcast has not really been high up on my interest level, especially since school started. Uh, I haven't been... 
<laughs> I haven't felt like watching it. The other thing that I've been really deep into is Old Gods of Appalachia since I'll be running the campaign this weekend. But uh, yeah, I, I turned on Lama and Bass and watching him go, Billy Crow, that's how you shoot! That's how you shoot! And I was like, yeah, Billy Crow learning how to go ahead and actually shoot someone without <laughs> popping their, their lungs and making them bleed out for five or six minutes. God, oh, watching crow shoot somebody and then he's just like w- watching them bleed out and he's like he keeps staring at me dude he's not dead that's why <laughs> what did you expect man at least <laughs> in in our day and age i can see how kids might be like i shot him and he didn't die but people don't typically die immediately unless you shoot him in very vital areas don't shoot people <laughs> but i'm an american but yeah it's, it's our right as americans you goddamn right it is that's what we do. It's in the Constitution. I have bare arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen your bare arms. They're very furry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're covered in actual bear. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make me an American, then I don't know what is. I can't remember what I was watching. Uh, some stand-up comedian, but he was from another country. <laughs> he said he was like, man, you think when you get to America that it's easy to buy a gun. And you go into a gun shop, and they're like, where are you from? And you tell them. And it is easy. They just give you the gun. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> I appreciate that because, yeah, I think that sometimes it's a little too easy to get one. It feels like no... It feels like there's just so many people who have them that shouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just criminals. There's a lot of you people out there who are big 2A people who... <laughs> you shouldn't have guns either based on the way yeah. you act. I, I had somebody on a Discord server tell me that the other day they heard a noise and so they ran outside with their gun and scared their neighbors and I was like you seem like a cool dude (laughs) I bet you've never accidentally shot anybody (laughs) you're certainly not going to end up in a statistic I used to have a I still have a a joke where I I tell people yeah if you ever really want a gun go to Texas and order a Big Mac you'll go ahead and get an AR alongside it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely true. Now Texas is trying to have a civil war, mm. telling their soldier, they're telling their Texas guard to fight the U.S. I was like, I hope, I hope this goes exactly as it did for the Confederacy. Like, I hope y'all just get stomped. I fucking, mi- I haven't heard that until right now. That's yeah. Uh, so they put yeah, all those Texas. barriers in the Rio Grande and uh, to stop immigration with maximum cruelty. And then the Supreme Court ruled five to four, mind you, that, yeah, we shouldn't let people die in Rio Grande and that the federal government has final jurisdiction over borders. So they're trying to invoke Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, which says that the state can only call up their troops if they feel like they're being invaded or if there is an invasion. And, yeah, they're calling this an invasion and saying that the federal government can't overrule them. And, yeah, the the situation is going to get tense, it, more so than it is, but it's it's dumb. I, I can't imagine a good outcome here, so I, I'm just watching sickly. Dude, wh- we've got a war going on in Ukraine, which, fuck Russia, all right? We have a genocide going off over in Israel, which, by the way, we should fucking be, like, doing something about and our government's never going to fucking do anything about it because we got a hard on for israel because we created them and now texas is out here oh we want to kill people is what i'm hearing mm-hmm. just give texas back to mexico like 
stop Israel, and Russia needs to go ahead and be told to sit down and go back home. Jesus Christ. We live yeah. in such a great fucking time. I also wrote oh, on the worst timeline. Yeah, I, I I haven't read the article, but I saw something by a more perfect union that was talking about how in the next I don't know twenty to fifty years we're gonna have the first trillionaire, but in the next we won't have solved poverty for at least two hundred and twenty nine years. Oh, and that's I think that's generous. Yeah, the, uh, no, I agree. I agree. Like I said, I didn't read the article, so I don't mm-hmm. really know. That was just the headline. But realistically, they're probably pretty close with the trillionaire. I wouldn't be surprised if I wake up tomorrow and uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, no, we got a trillionaire." I'm like, "God damn it!" Yeah, it'll it'll be Bezos. He'll be the first trillionaire because yeah, because doesn't he uh, make like seven point nine million dollars a minute or some shit like that? Something like it's some ridiculous number. Yeah, some number of unreal money that you and I will never be able to comprehend unless donors really like us. Hey, go ahead yeah. and donate to not our Patreon because we don't have a Patreon. But go find somebody and give them some money. But yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. We could have solved poverty a long time ago if we wanted to. It's mm-hmm. it's not an unknown solution. I did read an article a few years back that the biggest issue with kind of solving poverty isn't necessarily the lack of resources, but it's the lack of infrastructure. And that feels like something that could actually be solved, but it also feels like something that would take like 15 years because you can't trust a private company to do it right you don't want a private company to be the one ending poverty because that puts the impoverished at the whims of a private company which is a republican libertarian dystopia mm-hmm. but it's it have to be government which means it would take like two years to get approved and then six years for a committee to be formed and another four years after that for them to finish the initial stages and so in that time we've we've already basically lost because any time at that point some dipshit will defund the entire program so it would be it would be impressive to see but again without the as i've said before without real collective action we're not getting anything done we're not getting Mm -hmm. any problem solved i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in my fucking depression mongering over here i feel like trump's gonna end up winning presidency again even with people voting against him i just that's 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 where my pessimism kicks in and I know that there are, are probably reasons why that won't happen, but my pessimism's kicking up hard right mm-hmm. now. That's <laughs> hey, all right. We're closer to Canada now. Yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> if that happens, wastelanders, and you start hearing about Canadian wasteland, it's us. <laughs> this show's already international. We don't restrict <laughs> it by location. No, I'm not also, saying restrict it. Just changing our name. Fleeing to Canada and then calling our show Canadian Wasteland feels mean. <laughs> like, they have like somebody like, I hate Trudeau. I'm moving to Washington and calling it Pacific Northwest Wasteland. I'm like, you dick. Give me a persuasion uh, roll. Persuasion roll. Hold on. I got a D20 right here. Do I got any additives? Because that's nope. a six. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, it looks well, like we're going to have to talk about this movie. All right. With that segue, guys, this week we went and took on 2022's Persuasion over on Netflix. This is rated PG. This movie stars Dakota Johnson as Anne, Cosmo Jarvis as Wentworth, Mia McKenna, McKenna as Bruce. Sorry, Jesus. I'm going to redo <laughs> that one. Wow, my brain really went far. Mia McKenna, Bruce as Mary, Ben Bailey Smith as Charles Musgrove. Nikki Amuk Bird as Lady Russell, Henry Golding as Mr. Elliot, 
as sorry, a take on Jane Austen's novel of the same name. 2022's Persuasion tells the story of Anne Elliot, who eight years ago fell in love with Captain Wentworth and was engaged to him, but was persuaded to break up off the engagement. Eight years later, and Captain Wentworth, now quite rich, is back in the picture, and Anne wants him back. Through a series of events that test the boundaries of what it means to be an ex, Anne and Wentworth grow closer to rekindling their romance. Reviews. For Hollywood Reporter, David Rooney writes, Persuasion is sufficiently bold and consistent with its flagrant liberties to get away with, with them. Meanwhile, reviewing from New York Times, T.O. Bugby comments, The story's heroine, its dialogue, and even its themes of regret and loneliness seem to be swallowed up by the need to maintain an appearance of contemporary cheek. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, user Ginny B gives the movie a one star. Far better to have made it a modern similar film like Clueless slash Emma than bastardize persuasion in this way. Also on Rotten Tomatoes, user Olga M gave the star gave the movie five stars, stating the vi- version of Persuasion is certainly slightly deviated from the original, yet I absolutely loved it. It's fresh and funny, and with good-looking main characters. Greg, I know you've got a bit to say about this, so go ahead. So, I gotta say, I think that if one of your criteria is good-looking main characters. It's, it's a weird criteria to have for a movie because by that standard, you should like most movies. Most Hollywood people, very attractive. But yeah, so this is a fine romance movie. If you're just watching it and unfamiliar with the source material or vaguely familiar with the source material, but having read the book, I can tell you that this is not the same thing. I'll get into that in a little bit, but I would say that it's well acted for what's there and it is the same general bones of the story my two big issues with this movie as a movie are one the pace felt crazy fast for how much these people were interacting with each other so in the book the story takes place over the course of 10 months or so but in this movie it's four weeks maybe five and people are sitting there like I think I love him. I think I love him. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Oh, what if I get engaged to her? And I'm just like, dude, you've known them for one hour. And this isn't like an arranged marriage thing. You had one pleasant dinner. You're like, I want I want, I want, to marry them. And I get that part of that is the, the Regency era, like, lust being translated into like, what if we could just get married so I can finally fuck him? But it's also, it, it feels really, really jarring because there was a scene, I believe... It was Lucretia was talking to Anne and she was like, I know you like him, but I like him and I think I'm in love with him. And I was like, you met him once. You met him yesterday. My God. Thirsty ass bitch. (laughs) Jesus. I loved you the first second I met you. Come on. That's not true. It was second like four or five. But yeah, my other big kind of issue with this movie is I don't like what they did to Anne's character. And this segues a little bit into my gripes with the books, which I am trying to separate out. But the scene that stood out to me as Jesus Christ, do we need this was when Dakota Johnson had jam smeared on her lip and was wearing a bread basket on her head and looking at using a rolled up piece of bread as spyglass. And of course he happens to be standing behind her. And so like, she's making fun of him. He's standing behind her and she's like, Oh, I'm Captain Wentworth. I'm dashing. And then she turns around. And as much as any Jane Austen novel has probably been done to death because she wrote these books over 200 years ago and the, the romance genre has 
blossomed since then, both in stories, movies, TV, etc. So nothing is going to feel completely original. This wasn't in the book. This sort of scene did not happen in the book. And to add it in is what I think is indicative of the problems with this movie, which is that it's clearly pandering to a audience that they think wants to see rom-com tropes and not see what Jane Austen actually wrote. That's fine. It, it, again, it does its job there. But we don't, do we really need another situation where all the kids love the main character and she's just being the quirky, kookiest, craziest person who smears jam on her lip and puts a bread basket on her head and, oh, the guy's there. And to me, the whole that scene specifically, I was just like, mm, fuck this movie. Like I was, I was already done with it. Like I said, it's a fine romantic movie. It's definitely a passable romance. And I think if you're into like the Bridgerton flea bag, like this kind of British pre 1900s, I, I'm. This is Regency era. I have never watched Bridgerton, so I don't know when it happens. I've never watched Fleabag, so I don't know when it happens. I just know of them. But any of these, like, Elizabethan to pre-1900s England shows, movies, etc., this one fits in perfectly fine. For me, when it comes to this movie, I have to say that I thought it was cute. I really actually liked it. Now, real quick, let me go ahead and take one step back. Thinking about it, yeah. It's rushed. It's a little rushed. It, it, thinking about it now, it went by really fast. And I wish I had watched this one before I watched the other movie that we watched for this week. <laughs> but, I don't know, I watched this one with my wife, and she and I talked about it afterwards. And I don't know, the story's cute. I think that it's entertaining to, to watch Anne and Wentworth kind of like, fucking talk at you dumbasses. Your problems would be solved if you fucking talked. I don't know. It gave me, like, the feeling of these two should end up together. They they absolutely have feelings for each other, and they're just too stupid to go ahead and realize they have feelings for each other because they keep going, oh, the way that this person's reacting to me is they hate me because we broke up, and I was the idiot that went ahead and listened to someone else to come ahead and break up. But... I can see where you're coming from, and when you told me that you were reading the book, I was curious to see how that was going to go ahead and affect the way that you, you saw this movie. Because, I mean, I know how it is. I've read books. Uh, Liar. <laughs> fine. My kid has read me books because You've of You've listened English. to books. <laughs> Not even people reading them, just people flapping the pages. <laughs> <laughs> book AM ASMR. <laughs> uh, I put it underneath my pillow and sleep on it to you know, absorb it. <laughs> That's how I read the Bible. Yeah. Um, you know what they say, a Jesus a day means the preacher <laughs> likes you. <laughs> Is that why they kept touching my butt? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I got a lot of Jesus then. <laughs> if you guys hear a lightning bolt strike over here. Yeah, it's it's us. We did it. That's our bad. <laughs> we gave Ringo a book on Satanism for his birthday, and now we're over here talking about how preachers jerked us off. I am a little bit curious. What did your wife think of the main character? Because as I was watching this movie, I was like, Jesus Christ, this feels like exactly the type of character she likes. Yeah, she loved the. She liked this character. Yeah, um, I thought so. I, I really thought this would be up her alley because yeah. it's that like kind of sass that she seems to really enjoy yes. in her female main characters. Yes. So she she likes the the sass and she also liked the the jam scene because it, it gives her 
the, it gives the character <laughs> it gives the character kind of like a quirky side. That's the only way that I could think of. I, I would have yeah. to ask her directly, but I mean, yeah, for sure. I have to tell you, I don't remember what his name is. The tall, dark, and handsome dude that Anne was like, "Oh, oh, uh, Mr. Elliot, her cousin." Oh yeah, Mr. Elliot. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you've got him right there, Henry Golding. Mm-hmm. He's also from Last Christmas. If you didn't catch that, I did. Okay, because <laughs> because my wife didn't. Yeah, uh-huh. I pointed it out to her, and she's like, oh. But yeah, watching him walk up in that suit, she and I both like were like, oh, yeah, I'll marry Mr. Ellie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, Lady Russell, she was also in Old and Knock at the Cabin, which we've both covered. As soon as I saw her, I was like, M. Night Shyamalan, which one of the movies was it? And then I was like, both of them, got it. <laughs> like, I knew it was one of the two, and I, I feel proud of that. Yeah, I... Um, I actually thought that the actress, this is my bad, but the actress who was playing Mia McKenna-Bruce, or not playing, mm-hmm. but Mia McKenna-Bruce, the actress who played Mary, I thought she was Arya from Game of Thrones. Like, when oh. I first saw her, I was like, oh shit, is that the same actress? And I looked it up, I was like, not even close, I'm fucking bad. But, like, <laughs> it's uh, like a similar tone of voice to the tone that mm-hmm. Arya is using throughout a lot of the show. Like, the tonal and like the consistency, and I was just like, oh shit. Also, now that you brought brought up Mary Mus- Musgrove, dude, the fucking shit she was saying had me fucking rolling, man. Just like <laughs> the world hates me and the, everything's against me, and you know that I can't stand. Dude, my the children. scene that, that made me genuinely smile was when they were like, "We're going for a very long walk, Mary," and you said you hate walking, <laughs> and she was like, "Just because I hate something doesn't mean I don't want to do it." I was like, "Oh <laughs> fuck, dude!" And that's actually verbatim in the book. That is really? a passage from Jane Austen. And that, like, the scene, the way it's set up is not. But the whole, we're going for a walk, and we know that you hate long walks, she, Mary literally responds. She's like, oh, to presume that I wouldn't want to do something just because I said I hated it. And you're just like... <laughs> yeah, actually, surprisingly, if it's possible, Mary was more annoying in the book. And I think really? it's because she got a little bit more time in the book. Mm-hmm. And to go into what I was talking about, about this feels very rushed. The whole entire thing where Anne is staying with her sister and watching the kids and the they're going next door for these dinner parties and stuff, that actually takes course o- over two months. That's not two? like... Yeah, that's not a week of fucking events like they showed in the show. And then their trip down to the sea before that girl hits herself, they're there for like a week and a half. There's also another character they just completely cut out of the movie, but in the way that they told the story, it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, See... Now that, now that you're telling me that sort of stuff, I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah, because I, I don't know, because you don't get the feel. I thought they were, this was like a night, maybe a day, but with a lot of this stuff. Oh, they went down to the beach for a day, like how we would, how we'd go down to the park or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, oh, man. That, we play stickball. Yeah. Roll the, roll the circle down the road or something. Exactly. That... That puts a whole new perspective on like how I feel about this movie a little bit. It doesn't it doesn't like change my 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 feelings for it too much, but it definitely reduces them because like, Jesus Christ, that like even I re- realized that it was moving really fast. But geez, that's like yeah, no, there's no feeling of time. Yeah, and it's a little bit so a lot of the a lot of the introductions and stuff are skipped, which I think is probably better for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're. 
it's not introductions in the sense of like you're not introduced to a character, but of course in high society at this time, the idea was that you had to have a connection to somebody and they had to invite you to their home and then you would be introduced and then that's how you would meet people, etc. A lot of that sort of stuff is skipped and I think that's probably better overall. The The problem comes in, and, and this is where I'll talk about what I have issues with the book with. There's three big elements they left out of the movie that are pretty key in the book. And the first one is Lady Russell tells Anne in the beginning the reason she objected is because Captain Wentworth wasn't rich, which was true in the book. But that's not what the book says. The problem in the book, and this is something that does not really get touched on in the movie, is that he was of the wrong class. He was both not rich and nobody. And that that second part, the and nobody, is actually brought up quite a bit throughout the book, both for potential matches for Mary and people, or not Mary, for Anne, and people who, and Elizabeth, the, the oldest daughter, I didn't even list on here. Side note, IMDb, fix your fucking shit. I don't care how you add the crediting. It's bullshit that three men characters, two of which who were barely in the movie, are listed as starring on your little header. Right? Jesus when, Christ. Fucking yeah. Christ. I sent you that the other day, but yeah, they list like the guy who played her dad and then Ben Bailey Smith and Henry Golding as the stars. And I was like, the star of this movie is Dakota Johnson. And the second one is Cosmo Jarvis. There's there's like Henry Golding's in the movie for 15 minutes and her dad is in the movie for less time than that. But anyway, there's a lot of talk throughout the book about proper matches, matches for society. And what Jane Austen is doing a lot of times is contrasting that versus the idea of picking the mate who's right for you. And so when in the movie or when in the book, she sees that Captain Wentworth and Lucretia Musgrove are getting on and it seems like they are having a little bit of a courtship. She comments to herself and we'll get into that in just a second, but she comments to herself that she doesn't think that he would actually be happy with her, not because she's some sort of dumb hoe or anything like that, but because she has a, a youthful spirit and vigor about her. She likes to play and jump, and as we see in the movie, she jumps off those steps and hits her head. She's full of like that energy, and Captain Wentworth is not that guy. He's much more introspective and likes a keen mind that takes work to be worked on and in the movie they show us this by like lucretia being like pretend like you've never seen silverware so the second thing and i alluded to this earlier that i have issue that they take from the that they don't really do in the movie is in the book persuasion and barely talks to wentworth there are no reconciliatory conversations there are basically a slow thawing of ice but there is no like i think that maybe we could be friends like that doesn't fucking happen that's just not there the entire point of the book and it would be hard to make into a movie because it's full of interior monologue and narration but the entire fucking point of the movie is eight years ago she hurt this guy he's back now and they're both too fucking prideful to be like i fucked up because she rejected him on the grounds you ain't nobody and you ain't got nothing and she's worried that he still fucking hates her for that and she knows that that was the love of his life but she fucking, or that she was, that he was the love of her life, but she doesn't know how he feels. And he makes basically no inclination of it until almost the very end of the book when he starts getting jealous of her cousin hitting on her. And it, I know it sounds weird to keep saying her cousin hitting on her listeners out there. It feels weird to us too, but it's just one of those things you got to accept from high society that apparently sometimes you married your cousin. I don't know. But yeah, and so... There is a lot more introspection. Anne is not a snarky character who everybody loves but just doesn't understand why she doesn't get the attention. Her sisters and her father routinely shit on her. 
There's a line later in the movie where Mary's like, it's like, you haven't got any plans. You haven't got any friends. Why don't you come with us? That's in the book because that's how people talk to her. And that's her father talks to her that way. Like the, the, the first chapter tells you that her dad is openly dismissive of Anne because Anne doesn't look as good as her sister. And he thinks that he's very handsome, and they do a decent job of that in the movie, portraying that. He's very handsome, and he's a very important person in his mind. And his his oldest daughter, who also happens to look more like him, is also very handsome. And Anne, who looks more like her mother, is very... Like, she'll be lucky to have a husband. But in, when she does get a husband, it won't be somebody like Wentworth, some no-name nobody. And that takes me into the first issue I have with this movie, is that they really changed Anne's character. She is not a quip machine who looks at the camera and tells you all kinds of stuff. You can substitute some of that as, like, the narration, but her constantly drinking wine and shouting out at Frederick and everybody secretly loves her. That scene where she just tells the entire dinner party that, you know, oh, Charles wanted to marry me first. That didn't happen at all. She didn't do that. That was actually somebody else telling Wentworth privately that Charles actually proposed to to Anne first and Anne turned him down and that was the moment that Wentworth was like oh wow maybe she actually never did get over me and he starts thinking like what am I doing here and in the grand scheme of the book that's basically the moment when he decides oh shit if I keep fucking around with Lucretia her parents are going to expect a wedding proposal and I'll have to do it so maybe I shouldn't do that and then she hits her head and the other captain marries her and he makes a big show of like oh you've stolen her from me but whoo it's okay but that's what basically changes his heart in the movie is that he realizes that she wasn't going to marry anybody at that time but if it was going to be somebody it was going to be him and she would have married him if it wasn't for the interference of other people who she listened to and at the end of the book Anne even says like I was right to listen to them then the same way I'm right to disregard them now and it makes sense and it adds a lot of depth and meaning to their conversations to their interactions the letter that he writes her is incredibly it's not incredibly long but it's much longer than it is in the movie it's very moving it's it, like i was reading that and i was like dude whole oof wentworth like calm down <laughs> like you got oof. he's like i ache for you my soul is torn asunder i was like damn tell me more captain because previously it's only captain i liked was crunch but now i also like captain wentworth but yeah, so there's a lot more depth of character given to these people, and part of that is the amount of time that passes by, but part of that is that they changed Anne's character to be basically Alex Dunphy from Modern Family, the far smarter than the rest of the family and not afraid to let them know it, but nobody cares or listens anyway type character, and it feels way off. And I think that's why they had to adjust a lot of the rest of the movie around it, is because they made this choice, and... It's fine for the movie. Like I've said in the beginning, I know I've rambled about this for a minute now, but the movie is fine as a standalone thing. It's just not really the same thing as the book. And I'd say that if you like this movie, I really would recommend the book. I was surprised. I, I've i read very little Jane Austen, like excerpts here or there. So this is the first of her books that I actually sat down with to read, and I was surprised. I, I enjoyed it. It was after you get over the high society language that is just fucking excruciating sometimes there's a character who spends a full sentence basically saying like not trying to be a dick but maybe you should sell your house but he says it over the course of like i don't know almost a whole paragraph like oh, i would never mean to cause offense and let it be noted it was not my idea and, I, and of course if you overrule me of course i would go along with what you say for you are far wiser and better born than me i'm just like shut up 
shut up, you spineless little bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good, fun book. I couldn't, I, I could not hate on this book. It's a good book. And honestly, I can't really hate on this movie too hard. It's fine. It just didn't do anything for me. I do think the book is better. And then a quick side note for a bunch of critics I saw out there who were really focused on the wrong thing they're talking about like oh they would never say like if you're a five in bath you're a 10 in london or they would never talk about being exes yeah but a lot of the concepts here don't work in the modern day so they modernize the language right it's totally fine to do that i don't think that's the biggest deal i'm just surprised they left mr elliot as the cousin like that was the part to me that I, I found strange the rest of it you could understand but if you're going to modernize some of the language and start I don't understand why they left Mr. Elliot as the cousin they could have just made him like a rich person who had connection to the family via like the mother's side and now that the mother has passed away he's really of no blood relation but he has wealth and he could become the heir and it's like a whole thing <clears throat> anyway those are my gripes on the literary to movie transcription of this movie uh, since you said that I can't read, I'm never picking this book up again, so. Yeah, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to listeners. Right. Don't lie. You were talking to me. You looked at me. We made eye contact. I actually I did. I was looking down no. at my tea because it's empty no, and I'm no. sad. Yeah, I'm down in your tea. I'm going to swoon into my tea. Exactly. Um, That's what I thought. I'm going to get drunk and spill gravy on myself. I do have to say that I found Mary Musgrove to be like the most compelling character for me in this just because of like how <laughs> fucking everything. I'm like. The world is against me. <laughs> Dude, her best part was when she was like, I'm an empath, so when my child is sick, I actually feel it more than they do. I was like, holy shit, that's funny. Of course, it doesn't say empath in the book, but I was like, that's fucking great. I love it. I Yeah, that one was, that's what I was trying to remember what she said there, because that one had me rolling. I was like, God yeah. damn it, Mary. Oh, dude, like... They they nailed Mary, in my opinion, almost perfectly. I haven't seen other adaptations of Persuasion, but I'm a little bit curious to see how other people have played it because I can't imagine a better version. This is spot on. And in yeah. the book, like I said, she's more of a turd. That whole thing where she <laughs> demands to stay by uh, Lucretia's side after she hits her head and they have to nurse her back to health, right? Like, she <laughs> throws an absolute fit about, like, oh, of course, Anne gets to stay in the interesting place while I have to go home to my children. Disgusting. Like she's she's sincerely upset that she would have to go home to her children and be a mother. They also focus a lot on the fact in the book that she says her kids are awful and that she is doing her best as a mom. But the dad and Anne and pretty much everybody else is able to control the kids. It's literally just Mary being a bad mother that mm. is that makes it the kid. Even the kids realize like, oh, mom's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That is such a really well. If that is close to the to the book, that is such a really well written character. And honestly, that's that's that right there is enough to get me to want to go ahead and read the book. Also, while I'm thinking about it, Edward Blumel, I'm starting to notice him in more stuff. He's in the Castlevania uh, spinoff that they just did. He's in the movie, sorry, TV series, A Discovery of Witches. I'm I've watched both of those. Uh, who my who wife is he in really, this movie? Hmm. Who is he yeah, in he this was, movie? Yeah, he was one of the one of the captains who was friends with with Wentworth. But he was, was the it? one who told he was the one who told Anne, uh, "You should go talk to my buddy. He's sad because his wife." Oh, died. so Captain Harville got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at his name. I should have told you, Captain Harville. You you read the book? A, I didn't. I did. Yeah, I but I, I don't know the names. And that's like a minor, minor little nitpick. There's that kind of 
like confusion at the end they're playing the pronoun game a little bit where it's like oh you know the captain and lucretia will be married right uh by the time she gets wentworth's letter she already knew it was told to her before that whole like concert that wentworth wasn't the one marrying lucretia she already knew that but they changed that for the movie to add the bit and and like i said they've they added a bunch of rom-com tropes into this book because i think that they thought that maybe our generation couldn't read subtlety or subtext, etc., or wouldn't pick up on it. So they added a bunch of stuff. They added the snarky drunkenness. They added the quirky little like, oops, I can't believe I'm talking about him when he's right behind me. How embarrassing. And they added the, oh my gosh, I had the wrong idea. Let me chase him down the street. That None of that happened in the book. She, It's actually, in my opinion, funnier in the book. She reads his letter and she's like, I'm not feeling well. I have to go. And she tries to go by herself, but the captain's like, no, you can't go by yourself. You're a woman. That's ridiculous. I can't. I can't. What if you faint on the street? No one will know what to do with you. Allow me to walk you. And she's like, fuck. God damn it. I really have to go find him. And she's like, he, like she's like, no, no, I'll be fine. He's like, no, you won't. You, you, I, I would be ungentlemanly to let you. And she like in her head, she's like, you sons of bitches, ungentlemanly. Like, I am not so frail. Let me walk home. And then as they're walking, they catch up to Wentworth. And like, she's like, say it, say it, say it. And the captain's like, Wentworth, would you mind walking Miss Anne back to her home? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that. And they're both like, score! Like, fuck yeah, finally. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, they, they changed a lot of this so that we can have more rom-com tropes in it. And I think that if I was going to really grade this movie down for not being like accurate to the book, that would be my biggest knock on it. But like I said, I really just feel as a movie, everything felt fucking rushed. Like, the... The connections weren't as firmly established, the the intimacy between characters, the bonds, etc. I do think that Anne and Wentworth, Dakota Johnson and Cosmo Jarvis had a good chemistry between them. I actually felt like at the end of the movie, like, yeah, they wanted to fuck each other like real bad. And so that was it was nice compared to a lot of the rom-coms we watch where we're like, dude, these two people really look like they did not want to be in the same room as each other. These two felt like they did. I've never seen Cosmo Jarvis in anything else, but I hope to see him in more things because I think he's a pretty good actor. I'd give this movie like a, a four, four out of nine, maybe a five. Now nah, it's a four. I think in terms of rom-coms, I still think I Want You Back is the best rom-com we've watched. Obviously, that was not written by Jane Austen. So there's that, but that's the one we watched literally last week at the time of recording. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the storyline of it. It's the two people who get dumped and they work on breaking their exes up. Uh, oh, to get okay. Back with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I personally think that Palm Springs was better than that. I one. do always forget about that one. Palm Springs is a better movie than both of those, but then this and fucking I Want You Back. But mm-hmm. yeah, either way, it's it's probably the third best rom- romance movie we've watched yeah. on this channel and. I don't know. I If I ever do a thing where I'm like, I'm going to read all the Jane Austen and then watch all the Jane Austen movies, I wouldn't be upset to watch this one again. Yeah, I like I said earlier, I, 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 earlier on, I really enjoyed this one. This one's going to get like a 4.5. No, we don't do half points. Give it a 5 if you're going to give it a gonna half. It's going to get 4.6. It's a 5. <laughs> it's it's a, five a 5 from Ringo. It's a 5. We're it, rounding here. It is here. a 5. No, it's a 5. It's an arbitrary scale where six out of nine is like the highest compliment. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to go ahead and like start trying to track down more of Mia McKenna Bruce's stuff to see like what kind of other character she plays because fuck me. She nailed this character. I just the look on her face when she's delivering these lines 
fucking killed me. Yeah. <laughs> I I am an empath. I can't be around them because I will feel it more than they will. Yeah. God damn it, so Mary. Good. God damn it. <laughs> and like it is an open like the the other thing the movie really gets right is it is not a secret that everybody else will be like, and there goes Mary. Mm-hmm. Like they're all basically like, oh, somebody had one wine cooler and now has to tell me about some email <laughs> they got from fucking Infowars.org. <laughs> By the way, I, I like the scene where Mary's Mary's husband is carrying her in and he tries to put her down and she goes, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charles Musgrove is, is adorable in the books and he's adorable in this movie. And mm-hmm. Ben Bailey Smith did him justice. I, I honestly think like that's probably the strength of this movie is that what characters they were given to play, the cast really pulled them off. I thought mm-hmm. Nikki Amuka Bird was a really good Lady Russell. She had the right vibes and they didn't touch on it in the movie because I actually don't think it's necessary even in the book, but they mentioned that Lady Russell is just a family friend of the same age as their dads, but there's never been anything intimate or romantic between them. And at this point, Lady Russell is known to pretty much everyone around as the smart one who gets things done if you want to get things done and that mm-hmm. her opinion is very important. And then they, in that way, they set up Anne to be like the future Lady Russell of, in that aspect is like, she's the smart one. And if you mm-hmm. want to get things done and Lady Russell, even comments, she's the smartest, the, the only mind equal to mine at some point was like your mother's. And then she passed away and you're the one that looks like her. You're the next closest thing. And so I, that's why we're besties. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, before I, I lead us on, on the way out, I have to say, I do have to give this this movie another plus we had a, a, a lady character that didn't end up having to be like romanced by one of the de- one of the guys that was nice that was imagine fun. imagine that a book written 200 years ago more progressive than 98 oh percent of the God. rom-com movies we see oh <laughs> um, and with that we have been streaming wasteland this has been two, uh, 2022's persuasion and if you guys want to go ahead and watch it, go find it over on Netflix. If you don't want to watch it, you can go ahead and listen to us over on Spotify, iTunes. You can find us on TikTok, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, X, sorry. Ah, I you said, said X. I did, yeah. We, we've already been over that. I I've, I tried. Uh, yeah. It, it, it seeped into my brain, and it won. Fuck you, Elon. I hope you go ahead and choke on your next meal. Uh, you can go ahead and email us over at streamingwasteland at gmail.com. And, oh, yeah, real, real quick while I'm thinking about it, TikTok, if you want to go find us, it's Streaming Wasteland, none of the vowels. With that, we've been Streaming Wasteland once more, and this is Ringo saying goodbye. Say goodbye, Greg. Whoa, what's this? Elon just choked on his meal. Yay! <laughs> Bye, Elon. Bye, Elon. <laughs>